Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a Star Wars Legion podcast bringing you the latest news, general perspective, and competitive discussion. Hello and welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm here with Jay and John. What's up, gentlemen? Hey, how's it going? Hello. I'm sitting here aboard my Death Star. No, this is not the Death Star. This is the. This is it just a normal looks like Star, a Star Destroyer. Destroyer. Yeah, this is just a normal Star Destroyer. Yeah. Um, not enough windows for Death Star. Accurate. Uh, all right. Well, I'm sitting here aboard my Star Destroyer, and I'm thinking about objectives. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, people have been requesting, sort of a like, objectives 101. How do you approach each objective type cast? Um, we've done episodes on all of the objectives uh, previously but it's been a while probably about a year and a half at least yeah uh, so a those episodes are kind of hard to find at this point but b a lot you know some stuff has changed since then including some actual changes to how you do battle cards so stuff changes um, all the time with how you have to think about these like yep. every six months i feel like it's a whole new approach for sure so we're going to re revisit them. We're going to see how many we get to. We're not going to do like, you know, one per episode. We're probably also not going to do all of them today. So yeah, we'll see how many we get to. Um, and I also wrote an article on this subject because we here at the Fifth Trooper uh, aim to deliver what people want. So <laughs> um, people were asking for Objectives 101. So you get a podcast and you get an article. Uh, head over to the fifthtrooper.com slash blog to check that out. Um, you got any housekeeping for us today before we dive in? Uh, yeah. So for any of you who haven't gotten into Stormtide yet, you're dead to us. That's it. That's the whole housekeeping. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, well, let's. Uh... <laughs> that's it. Let's move on. Objectives. We're keeping it short tonight, boys. Um, no, listen. So if you haven't had a chance to get into Stormtide yet, this month, October, we're starting uh, season three. And um, you, as a new player, can start at season three. And so I know like a lot of players have said with season two that they, they wanted to catch up on the story and really know what happened in season one. Well, we're doing this cool mechanic where um, you'll be able to uh, catch up on the first two kind of seasons worth of stories through season three. So, uh, you know, if you haven't joined, now's a great time to join. Uh, we're going to have, you know, this first box in October, you're going to get a couple minis for each player. There's going to be a bunch of cool missions. We've got our divergent narrative still going. That's, uh, you know, so basically for each of the players, we're telling two different stories. Um, so you get to read that and you have, you know, your own missions and objectives and deployments that you have to do based on the story so it's it's really cool we're doing some really great stuff um i'm super excited about it so you know ideally i hope you guys can join us season three right now um you can get in and start playing now with with a friend uh so that's that's going um let's see some other stuff we we have uh we listed some new products up on the store so we have our um we actually put up some trays we've got these army trays that are that can be basically disassembled and fit in any army bag and we have faction designs on them plus a fifth trooper design and then also uh you can uh get it 
magnetically receptive as well so like if you have magnets on the bottom of your army they'll stick to the top of these trays those are coming in december and then of course we've got our new um we did our not bounty hunter tokens uh that are not related to bounty hunters at all uh the hunter right (laughs) the hunter series um so those are up as well and then also uh you know we are getting um we're teaming up with the professional casual network they do have a marvel crisis protocol podcast they have a couple warhammer podcasts uh, they have a really cool Warhammer RPG podcast. It's really good. Uh, but we teamed up with them, and every month we're going to be putting out uh, faction kits for Marvel Crisis Protocol. So, like for instance, this this month we've got the Gold Friends and the Wild Friends, which is, uh, you know, basically X Men Gold Team and Wild Hunt. And so you get uh 10 of the faction sleeves you get three secure and three extraction sleeves and uh six full color tokens one's for your victory tracker and the other ones are like stake tokens for the game so those are all up on the website too so we got a ton of new product and uh we're going to be coming out with new new sleeve designs every two new factions every month of those um and you can them on our website and that's so yeah, we're trying to get into the MCP arena a little bit uh, and do some cool stuff there. So, yeah, a bunch of bunch of great new product. Uh, and then, as always, I'm uh, really excited. We entered uh, the so we we've hit two of our stretch goals on our Patreon. Uh, so we just did our first live Q and A since we reached that stretch goal again. That was a ton of fun. Kyle, Evan, and I uh, did that. God, we had we probably had like um, 20 people live, I think, at one point, which was pretty cool. Um, and then, you know, so you could come on, hang out with us, ask questions, talk, you know, uh, that was that was great. And then we also started our tactics, uh, monthly tactics from the scoundrels, which we're going to be doing pre-recorded ones. I cheated. This month was my month. And I cheated a little bit and I did our Legion in 60 seconds series that I've been wanting to do. And this kind of gave me the push to do it. Uh, that totally counts. Yeah, sure. It's not really in-depth tactic, but, you know, it was fine. Um, but yeah, we'll be doing different ones. I got to get Kyle all set up so he can learn how to how to work a computer. Yeah, I don't I don't know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh we're gonna be having more of those and then of course our legion in 60 seconds series i'm gonna be putting out those i want to be conservative and say every couple weeks you know i'd like to do it weekly they're they're not terribly a ton of work to put out and people seem to enjoy it so if i can get a couple recorded at a time i'll i'll probably start putting them out pretty regularly so so that was pretty cool so you can check that out on our youtube channel and basically it's I'm going to try to explain pieces of the Legion rules in 60 seconds. That's that's the whole concept. Uh, my favorite was people were like, well, you didn't go in depth on suppression about droids. And I'm just like, yeah, man, it's 60 seconds. Like, I'm just <laughs> going to stick with the core rules, you know. Um, but yeah, other than that, really good feedback. So I'll keep doing those and hopefully that helps newer players or or if you're trying to get your friend or somebody in and you can toss them a couple of these 60 second videos that explains you know first one we did is suppression the next one i'm going to do is cover so you know we'll just 
60 seconds, try to explain that to the best of my ability and throw a little levity in there and humor and it'll be good. Awesome. That's yeah, it. sweet. I'm very excited to record something. I, uh, I do know how to use a computer. I actually, <laughs> actually built this one that I'm recording this on. Mm -hmm. um, but what I don't know how to do is record anything. That's so. exactly what somebody doesn't <laughs> know how to use computers would say. Um, there are specific things on computers that I do not know how to do. Yeah. Uh, and recording is one of them. So Jay's going to teach me. Yep. <laughs> I, we've been doing this podcast for uh, three four. years. Four. Four? 2018, right? Yeah. Four. Wow. It's four uh, years this month. It's and, like right now is four years, I think. I think and, we're like skipping right over our anniversary. Yeah. And I've through all the various, uh, you know, ebbs and flows of that four years, I have been very lucky. All I've had to do is talk, <laughs> show up and talk. Yeah. So four years into being a podcast host, I'm finally learning how to record something. <laughs> it's okay. So. You're in charge of the blog. That's... Hey, you don't need I that is WordPress. I can the do blog that. is a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> to can, keep putting out articles them. for as long and consistently as you've been getting them put out. Yeah, four years are the more than four years for the blog, actually. Do we know how yeah. many articles total we have? Uh, well, yeah, hold on. How I many can... hundreds? I could probably get that. Give me... I mean, it's at least one a week for four so, years. Somebody so. vamp. Some big while I'm doing this. Do, 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 do. Do, do, do. This uh, isn't working. Do, do. Uh, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash the fifth trooper. Did I get that link right this time? I think you did. Yeah. All right. So yeah. You did. Awesome. All nice. right. So we have all in all, we have 317 published articles on our website. 317. Yep. That's that's a lot. You have to, you know, and that's yeah, that's kyle moved his blog over when he came over plus kept writing for us plus everybody that was right and then uh what was it jetta the jetta, jetta journal jetta journal yeah we moved them over so we you know like yeah it's uh there's a lot of content i think i wrote website. like one of them in there hey, nice. one out of 317 <laughs> you've written at least one i think you've written yeah. one. i don't know yeah. you know um, good job <laughs> <laughs> all right um well today we're going to talk about objectives so how about we just how about we just dive right in all right um before we get to like specific objectives i just want to do a quick sort of high level overview about why this why do we even care why are we talking about this mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so the most obvious reason is that Legion is literally won or lost based on the objectives, um, right? Like you can technically it's possible to table your opponent, but that's never like a plan A or it shouldn't be. Um, no. In my experience, that's something that kind of happens when one player is already losing on objectives and they're kind of forced to just take a bunch of like crazy risks. Hail Marys. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then when one player starts pitching Hail Marys, that's when you potentially get like a tabling situation. But, you know, you essentially use the objectives to set up that situation um, where your opponent has to take more risks than you, basically. So, um, 
we've talked on this cast before about game flow. I think we've used the, the there's like a magic, the gathering term, the beat down and the control. Um, we did an episode on that a while back, which you can probably search for on our site. We won't get into like super detail on this episode because we did that on another episode, but um, the short version is like when you start the game based on what objective you've selected and what other battle cards you end up with and you know what your list looks like and what your opponent's list looks like and whether you're red or blue um this there's basically one player for whom like the status quo is more acceptable than the other uh generally you know there are exceptions to this or there's situations where it's not like obvious um but generally speaking like if the game kind of proceeds as you expect it to and nothing crazy happens you know one player is going to have a, a better chance to win than the other um based on all of those things we listed and how you set up being in that driver's seat is objectives uh, so that's why this whole thing is important you guys have anything else on that topic nope well i you know it's funny because you said that and I, I really think about that is you're right i don't think I wonder if you could try that. Sorry, I don't mean to elongate this and make this longer. Yeah, no. But I've never Please. actually, even playing double heavies, I've never set out to be like, I'm just going to table my opponent this game. Like, that's never been even... It's so hard, and it's yeah. so easy to deny. So, like, so I just have... hide a single model from LOS, and then... I've I've sort of done it. It's... It's hard to like do that and also just completely ignore the objectives because your opponent's units are going to be near their objectives, right? Um, I have done that with specifically with the list that I ran at SoCal, which was um, the double airspeeder triple Wookiee list. Yeah. There was more than one game uh, with that list where I was just like, my opponent's army's here. Um, you know, clearly, I think there was like a VAPS game where I'm like, clearly, I'm going to have my naked units in the back, like do my VAPS because, you know, they should. But, um, like, my opponent's army is near his VAPS and I'm just going to go after him and kill everything. <laughs> and uh, he's probably, you know, hopefully somewhere in there, he, I'm either going to kill everything or he's not going to be able to tap his VAPS. And that's what happened. Um, so, yeah, it isn't, there are, there are certain like hyper aggro lists where I think you can kind of go in with that mindset where like maybe you're not looking to just straight win by table um but you have a sense that like you're gonna get so up in their face and do so much damage that the objective are, are essentially not gonna matter um because at the end of the day all of the objectives with the slight weirdness of um possibly the bombing run involve counting unit leaders in some fashion or unit leaders doing something important with objectives um so there's there's ones that just literally count unit leaders i like to think of those as the counting objectives so that's like uh breakthrough um intercepts kp what am i missing besides a dog on john's shoulder um payload. i'm missing one payload yep so all of those like literally count unit leaders in a specific part of the table, you know, whether it's deployment zone or like near the payload or whatever. Um, and you can't score if you don't have unit leaders to count. <laughs> so, right. Like killing things, even if you don't fully your table, your opponent is still helpful there. Uh, and then 
the other ones, they're, I like to call them thumbs objectives, but basically they're objectives that require interacting with, and that's sabotage, recover, and hostage. And sometimes bombing run, if bombs end up getting dropped without getting blown up, which happens periodically. Um, but those ones like activation count is slightly less important because you're interacting with objectives instead of just counting unit leaders. But you know, you still need units with thumbs to do those things. And if your opponent kills all your units with thumbs, then you can't. So killing stuff is important. Yeah. But I don't want to like go through this whole discussion without acknowledging that at the end of the day, you know, scoring objectives generally requires you to go after your opponent's units in order to prevent them from scoring objectives or yeah. to limit their ability to prevent you right. from scoring yours. Right. You know? yeah. So Anyway. Yeah, it's more of a it's more of a symptom, right? Of the of like what you're trying to accomplish. It's not something you're specifically like, you know, because what like in 40k, right? Sometimes it's just about like just killing all your opponent's units, and like this is that this never seems to be the objective of this. It's like oh, because of the objectives. Right. You yeah. just like, oh, I'm just going to get this done. And then I win and there we go. Yeah. It's just, it's something that kind of happens. Yeah. I feel like there's definitely two um, objectives that I always have in mind mm. when I'm playing one, whatever the, the selected objective was and two, eliminating my opponent's firepower. Like I'm, I'm trying to do both of those simultaneously always yeah. um, for the reasons Kyle mentioned to, so that they can't stop you from doing the objective and so you can stop them. Yep. So it's trying to find, it's trying to strike the balance between those two. And that balance is very different for all eight of these objectives. Yeah. Well, most of them are different from each other. Some of them are not. Some of them are kind of similar, but even the ones that are like, I would say breakthrough and bombing run are kind of similar, but. Um, even those have important nuances to them that are very different from each other. Yeah. So, um, all right. So we're going to walk through these kind of in, uh, people are always asking like, where are these objective cards? Uh, and this is a, this is a one-on-one segment. So we're going to walk through these basically grouped by where you can find them. Um, so there's, there's essentially three places for that. There's one of the core sets, either the Clone Wars core set or the um, you know Galactic Civil War corset slash OG corset, and there's four objectives in, in there. Um, we're gonna hit those today. Uh, we probably we, we may or may not get to the um, vital assets objectives. There's three in there, and then there's one objective in the priority supplies expansion, yeah, which is sabotage. And of course, uh, priority supplies also comes with a bunch of plastic for other objectives, but. Um, you can also get the core set objectives plus sabotage in the essentials kit um, that will not okay. have the plastic from priority supplies, but nice. it does have all five of those cards. So the essentials kit has all of the, basically the non-vital assets objectives in it. So there was some really awesome range rollers. Have we talked about those range rollers on this cast? No, but they're much better. Oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> I, I wish I had one handy. I would have to go dig them out huge um they're yeah they're huge they're thick uh chunky they're very chunky um (laughs) what is that face for jack 
don't know. Just so weird. Maybe maybe this for the after dark episode. Boys, <laughs> it is, <laughs> it is an accurate adjective Yeah, range rulers. Um, they have. Uh, they are the same length, of course. Otherwise, um, that would be silly. That there were some pictures like circulating when this first came out. Somebody took like a. It was basically like an optical illusion that made the essential skit range rulers look longer. Um, they are not longer. They're the same length as the original range rulers. Yeah. I remember yeah. Kyle like, go, do you got any in stock? Take a look, measure them. It's like, okay, <laughs> no, they're the same. Yeah, they're the same. Um, all of my old ones snapped. So I ended up getting an essentials kit just basically just for the range rulers anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does come with six in there. So that, that's all you will need. Yeah. Um, but uh, they not only are they thicker, but the connection points are also like wider and shaped differently, so they don't break. Yeah, uh, I want to say they don't break as easily because I'm sure there's a way to break them, but yeah, I have yet to see someone break. They're like built to flex points. without snapping. Yeah, and they just I, they stay straighter too when you hold them out. Yeah, I think it's the just the process of how the plastic like it feels like a different plastic too, you know. And I think yeah. in the early days. They were using that softer plastic that all the mm-hmm. minis were made out of. And then yeah. this is more of a like a, a really like pressed plastic, you know, uh, so that's good. No, I hey, want to talk about positives. These range rulers are super positive um, for sure. Yeah, because it's nothing worse than painting all your range rulers like I did and then going to Nova and breaking three of them and then yeah. going, are you kidding me with this? Like, oh, that's so annoying. And. I would sometimes have them break off like when you're in the middle of a measurement, like I'd flick it out to do a measurement and then it would break and then it'd go like spinning across the table. <laughs> I feel like yep. I promise I, I play this game a lot. Um, I will say, though, it's odd. I haven't played with the larger ones on a table yet, but they feel like they're going to take some getting used to as far as like putting them near your minis and stuff without like bumping things like the other ones just seemed you know, the smaller, they were just easier to like maneuver in and out of stuff, but yeah. I, I didn't have much trouble with that. I did notice that because the connection points are thicker, they, they stick together mm. uh, a little more. So like when you're pulling them apart, you, you got to be a little rougher with them, yeah. um, which is fine. You know, the reason they're like that is because they don't break as easily, mm. um, but you, you do have to like yank on them a little bit when you're pulling the segments apart. I'm sure that'll ease up as I use them more. But anyway, <laughs> podcast. Yeah, I think someone we just need in a, this like trio has uh, their mind like... in the gutter tonight, <laughs> and it's not me and Kyle. All right, comment. You tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Maybe I am. All right. Uh, let... <laughs> Let's try and recover here and get to the objectives. <laughs> um, you see what I did there? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> We're starting with recover the supplies. Yeah. No, actually, I want to start with deployments real quick. Oh, no. this man! <laughs> <Not an> <laughs> yeah. No, but they relate to the objectives in ways that are very important. They are. I just super quick. Uh, All right. I, I always think of. I just want to group them. So I always think of deployments as either long edge to long edge, which means they go along the six foot edge of the table, battle lines being the classic example, um, short edge to short edge, meaning they go along the, you know, the short edges or diagonal. Uh, so 
you know, long edge to long edge is uh, Battle Alliance, Danger Close, Disarray, Hemmed In. Um, Which one's Danger Close? I can, so I know that Danger Close is technically more than one table edge. Yeah. Um, I personally consider it a long edge to long edge. Okay. Because, yeah. Uh, I agree. Most people deploy in those zones that are on the long edges. The <clears throat> short edge being only range one away from that short edge means you're extremely far away from the action. So they end up not getting like used hardly yeah. at all. There so are situations where edge. that happens. Um, yeah. Particularly like VAPs sometimes. Sure. If, um, but other than that, yeah, I've, that short edge does not get used as much. So I consider that a long edge to long edge deployment. Okay. Even though it's sort of a hybrid. Um, diagonals, which is long march and sorry. Diagonals is major offensive and advanced positions, and then short edge to short edge is long march and rollout. So, um, where'd you put disarray? I put disarray in uh, long edge to long edge. Okay. Even though you're on offset long edges, yeah. you're still, you know. Yeah. 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 Um. Anyway, the long edge to long edge deployments tend to favor units that are more mobile and or aggressive. Um, the diagonal and short edge deployments tend to favor objectives and or lists that are more defensive and or less mobile. So quick little two minute thing on uh, deployments as we go through these. All right, now let's talk about objectives. Oh, we... now are you ready? Yeah. That was Should... the primer for the objectives. Yeah, that's the primer. And then, uh, okay. so how about, let's, let's do recover first. because. Otherwise, okay. we were into that segue joke, <laughs> which I already did by talking about yeah, yeah, for yeah. three minutes. This whole thing's ruined. <laughs> Not even going to put up this podcast. Might as well just start start over. <laughs> yeah. Start from the top. Yep. <laughs> All right, let's start with recover. All right, so this is a one-on-one section. So recover mm -hmm. is basically you get five boxes. Uh, you place two, your opponent places two, and then one goes in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, you interact with said boxes by using the claim action, mm -hmm. which is an action that a unit with thumbs, a trooper unit that is not a creature trooper or an emplacement trooper, a small base trooper mini, basically. When we say thumbs, that's what we mean, small base trooper mini. Um, has to pick up said box. Whoever has the most boxes at the end of the game wins. Very mm -hmm. simple, uh, at least from a rules perspective. Um, how do you, so why don't we first talk about like sort of what units and or lists are good at each objective and which ones are bad. And then we mm -hmm. can hit like how you approach it. So yeah. what units, what units are really good at recover? Units that can, uh, Jedi. Yeah. Honestly, Jedi are amazing because the middle box is the biggest swing of this because there's an odd number. Right. Whoever can control the middle box in general is gonna win um, in general you can keep your the two that you placed in safe positions away from the enemy and it's a fight over the middle so jedi because of force push and because they're melee and burst of speed now like they have lots of tools to just stick with whoever grabs the box first and not let go of them and, and yeah kill them I, you know, uh, yeah, that's all true. They're pretty good at grabbing it themselves too. 
anything. Yeah. Especially think... Darth Maul. Yeah. Can we have like a separate category for Darth Maul because of how ridiculously good he is at recover? Mm. So what makes him so good at recover? Uh, two things. Both versions of Maul, Judeo Mastery. Okay. Because double move and pick up. Double move and grab or grab and double move away. Um, yeah. And then with Shadow Collective Maul, he can get cunning, which allows him to basically guarantee a, a last first, which means that you go last with Maul to double move to the box, you grab it, and then you play a one pip with cunning to immediately go first with Maul. And one of his one pips gives him disengage. So if you know somehow he ends up in melee, you can play that and also get away with the box. Uh, right. A double move. So um, Darth Maul is just really good at recovery. He also often particularly the shadow collective version has choke and force choke can be used to uh you know you pick a particular mini with force choke which means you can pick a unit leader that is carrying a box and um choke that unit leader and then they drop the box if it's a single wound model so um force choke units with force choke are also good at recover for that reason um although i will say it is generally uncommon at least on recover to like I'd say this is much more of a thing with hostage, where it's much more common for single wound minis to actually have an objective. Um, I would say at least with the middle box, it's pretty uncommon for like a random trooper unit with a bunch of single wound bottles to grab it. But yeah, you don't really send those smaller units because you just expect them to get lit up and yeah. die because that's where everyone's firepower is pointed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so Maul is is very good um, because his triple action. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Yoda. Mm-hmm. Yoda's mm-hmm. extremely good at making anyone go and pick it up. Yeah, with guidance. With guidance, even on his one pip, uh, double guidance to give someone a four action turn. <laughs> um, it's it, it's gross, but it's very relevant and. I played a lot of Yoda Wookiees, and the Wookiees can double move to the box, and then Yoda tells them to pick it up and move back, and now Wookiees have the box. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty good. I find with uh, one of the things with Force users that I that can sometimes um, your opponent doesn't see as much is they'll start loading up like the middle box to go after it. And they won't pay as much attention to one of the boxes they deem is safe. And you could, you can get a force user with like burst of speed and the right deployment. Uh, you could get them over to one of their boxes and really yep. cause a problem in the backfield for them. It is definitely, yeah, definitely a non-zero percent of my games. I've had those, those supposedly safe boxes not be so safe, either my yeah. own or my opponents. Um, yep. It's a factor of the deployment zones and the terrain on that table. Very much. Um, something to very much keep in mind when you're deploying and choosing where to put those boxes. Yeah. And sometimes, like, if you have a list where you want to slug it out with your opponent and you're on a deployment like Battle Lines, sometimes you can kind of just um, decide that the fight is going to be about those safe boxes. Um, I had a game like this with Palpatine uh, way back at the 2019 Nova open where um, like the middle of the table was super open. And I'm like, all right, well, uh, 
and my opponent had Luke, so he was going to be much better at actually getting in there. And I'm like, all right, well, um, I'm not going to be able to grab that box. Uh, Luke is probably not going to be able to grab that box without getting shot a lot. So I'm just going to pretend it's not there. And, you know, my opponent put his quote unquote safe box in a, in a spot on battle lines. And I put my first safe box immediately opposite that box. <laughs> and then he put his second box near his first box. And I put my second box right immediately opposite that box. And basically I'm like, all right, we're going to play on a three by three. <laughs> <laughs> and Palpatine went in there and jazz handed everything and you know we, like nobody ever claimed that middle box Man. Um, but I would say that uh, that kind of situation is certainly less common but definitely yeah out of the norm yeah I but, agree but there are there are situations where you can make it about the safe boxes and players tend to claim those safe boxes with units that are more fragile whether they're like naked core right. units or strike teams or something. So if you have something fast like bikes or creeper, creature troopers or whatever, sometimes they can get around and or infiltrators, you know, sometimes they can get around and threaten those safe boxes. So yeah, infiltrate is definitely something worth talking about for recover. Hmm. Um, it is if you are <laughs> blue player infiltrate, it is a great way to grab that middle box if your opponent doesn't have a Jedi. I do not recommend it against an opponent that has a Jedi when you don't. Because um, the, they could be able to catch you. Yeah. Yeah. Now, why uh, do you say as blue player? First. As blue player, because you can get edged out of your infiltrate bubble. Right. So most <clears throat> most deployments, I think in fact all except except Long March Long have March, deployments yeah. that um, dip into within range three of the center. And infiltrate requires you to be range three or more away from enemy units. So if you're not blue player, if you're red player and you get second deployment, all blue player has to do to deny the infiltrate is place a model within range three of the center. And now you can't infiltrate in base contact with the middle box. Yeah, and if you are blue player and you don't have infiltrators and your opponent has infiltrators, that's something that you want to be mindful yes. of with your first drop is you want to zone that box pretty much immediately. Yes. Um, but infiltrate, like you were saying earlier, um, as blue or red player can also instead be used to threaten safe boxes. Right. Um, safe boxes. And those unquote, might safe, be, yeah. yeah. I like to better. call them home, home boxes. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Those might be better to infiltrate towards the end of deployment when your opponent has less units to react to your infiltrating. So just to be clear, you guys want to infiltrate someone's home box? Well, yes. I, no, not. Well, no, not directly. Let's hmm. see what you're getting at here, Jay. Mm -hmm. um, you do not want to actually drop an infiltrator on top of your opponent's home box. Um, you want to put them kind of near those home boxes. Yeah, this like is all terrain dependent. Right, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not going to infiltrate someone in range two of your deployment out in the open where everything can shoot yeah. me. But I just want to get clarify. close to that box. Yeah, no, that's that's this is a one-on-one segment, Jay, so that's very irrelevant. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, if you have if you have Jin and Inferno, you might drop them roughly range three from one of those boxes so that when your opponent tries to move a unit, over there to get it and then mm. you can shoot them 
you're not going to necessarily right. be claiming those boxes with your infiltrators. You're you're just going to be making it more difficult for your opponent to do that. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Um. What about Mandalorians, Mister Fett? Uh, yeah. Boba Fett is what top three for doing that middle box. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's he's up there. He's I'd say he's better than some good. force users at it. Yes, better than most force users, I yeah. think. Here's a 101 for all of you at home. One of my favorite moves in this. You want the best of both worlds? You grab Vader, you put him with Boba, you do a new ways to motivate on him, and he can yep. move, grab, move, get the box and get out of there. And there's, if you have the right terrain, there's not a lot anybody can do about that. Yep. Yeah, and obviously Boba, besides being super fast, also has whipcord, which both lets him potentially freeze like if your opponent gets to it first he can freeze a unit right there with the box for you to then shoot oh. it um but if he gets to it first and someone tries to tie him up in melee to keep him there he can just whip cord and get out of there so yeah um i would recommend if you're running boba fett a if you're running boba fett you should be running recover in your deck um and b you should be running recon intel on boba fett um and it's whip just cord. and whipcord for sure i don't know why you would ever take can we just talk about like still I'm, worth saying because yeah we've seen it right we have seen it never take boba fett without whipcord uh if you're taking boba fett whipcord should be like i mean he's got he will he will at some point have six command cards um if you take one command card take whipcord please people <laughs> like, <laughs> this is best yeah. command card um Anyway, uh, yeah, give him recon intel. It's generally good, but on recover, it's especially good because on a lot of the deployments, you can actually put him before the game starts within a speed three move of the middle box with recon yep. intel. So yes, you know what I really like on on Boba too is um, oh, what's it called? Environmental gear, and here's a little one on one jump generally is only for one uh one action so one movement action so then you've got the second movement and a lot of people make the mistake of like you know early on when you first start playing you're like oh i got jump i'll be fine but then you like then put him in front of let's say a barricade or near a barricade where you need to get across it well you don't have jump anymore so now you're having your speed you know you're gonna have your speed so so what i like to do is put environmental gear because then he just moves over that stuff too so then it's like effectively having two versions of jump you know as long as it's half your height or lower yeah when you've got an eight inch move like there's a pretty high probability that you're quickest path to where you want to go is going to go over difficult terrain yeah so environmental gear definitely definitely valid and he has two gear slots right yeah, yeah. And so it's not expensive recon intel environmental gear totally reasonable yep um are there any units that are bad at recover yes things that can't pick them up creature troopers uh, but they're they have uses both creature troopers are great at just flanking and murdering the home, your opponent's home boxes um, um, with their crazy movement. 
or bad for the middle objective, good for your home okay. objective. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you don't want to try and scout onto the middle objective. But generally. but 101, right? So let's say you're playing Civil War era and you've got snipers. A lot of what we do as veteran players is we put our home boxes close enough to our snipers that they they grab those and kind of secure those in the backfield um as long as you keep your backfield relatively safe that's great it's a great position to have um i do know sometimes though people will stretch their snipers out a little too far and then they become weak for infiltrate or fast jedi or Yeah, speeders coming up and shooting them, you know, and making them drop the box. So it's you, you got to make sure you can do it in a way where it's safe, where you keep your box. But but it's a good way to to secure your back objectives. Oh, I do kind of want to talking about the scout troopers in your home objectives. I do want to dip a tiny bit into 102 for this, just because it's something that I it took me a long time to get used to doing and I made the mistake a lot. Um, so a speed two on a small trooper unit is less than range one, just barely, but it's less than range one. Yep. And these, all these boxes have to be placed beyond range one. So it's very common to think, oh, I'll put it at range one because it's as close to me as I can. But then you're stuck with this awkward, I move a full mood, move towards it. And then my second move, is a is a wasted move it's a half an inch of a move so what i suggest is instead of if if, instead of placing them at exactly range one oftentimes it's better to place them you know like range one and a half or range one or less than range two away because you're expecting two moves to get there right um, but in a place where you're going to have cover, where you want to set up shop, where you want to be, but placing them exactly at range one often wastes an action for you. That's my 102. I agree. That was a good one. Yeah. Um, all right. Anything else to say about recover? No, I think we've said a lot. All right. Does there need to be anything else? No. Good lord. <laughs> um, okay. Breakthrough. Yeah. Get across <sighs> the line. Bingo, bango, bongo. I think uh or don't. Or yeah, that's true. Real quick, and I'll let John explain what he's talking about. But just for new players to know, you don't have to keep your deployment markers on the table. You can pick them up. So then your opponent has to measure. That's a jerk move yep. to do. But I mean, it's facts, isn't it? It's facts. It, you're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I, I keep my markers on the table. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, now we're not the competitive podcast anymore. That's a considerate. That's now we're, the, now we're the Sesame Street podcast. Do we, do we need to talk? We, I don't want to get into a sportsmanship rabbit hole on this one. <laughs> Um, I keep them up for bombing run and breakthrough. I and if my opponent has secret mission, I keep them up. I keep them up as well. I'm not saying I do it. I'm saying that if someone pulls their uh, their markers, they're perfectly within. I've seen actual fights at at tournaments about that, and it's like, nah, he can he can pull them if he wants. 
Like he doesn't have to keep them out. That's just something. Can, you can your can your opponent of. then use their own markers and redraw your deployment zone with their own markers? I think they can. I don't think there's anything against that. <laughs> so then you're both just wasting time. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's all I'm about, really. <laughs> this is chaotic, neutral Jay tonight. <laughs> yeah. Please don't do that. People. <laughs> please leave your markers up. Um. Anyway, what units are good at it? breakthrough? Fast units. Yeah. And most vehicles are good at it because yeah. all vehicles are on a larger than small base, yeah. yep. which means is it every vehicle? Does every vehicle move faster than a small trooper? I think so. Yeah. Even at speed, there's nothing speed one medium base. There's nothing that is a speeder bike size base with speed one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so everything moves faster than a trooper, every vehicle. Um, and they count for breakthrough. Right. It's not a thumbs objective. It's an right. everything objective. So they, um, so they count for breakthrough and they're generally harder to kill unless they're speeders. They generally yeah. have a lot of them have armor, which means crits only. Um, yeah, that's um, I was going to point out, like with especially speeder bikes or uh, even if you're going to use the swoop bikes or something like that, you know, the, uh, in a breakthrough scenario, a lot of times I'll hold them back and circle yeah. around. You just yes. you just circle. Right. You know, and then and then then you break through when it's when your opponent can't do anything about it right that's generally how you want to play them breakthrough like key positions is unique in that only the final round matters yep um so getting there quickly it's not help you. it's generally counterproductive because it's your opponent's deployment zone mm -hmm. and that's yeah. probably where they are now if i think there are, there are two situations um, where you potentially want to do that. The first is if you can sort of safely kill something on a flank with your bikes. Yeah. And that's yeah. always helpful, regardless Absolutely. of what the objective is. Um, the second is like if you have infiltrators, uh, you might want to consider it's very deployment dependent. But if you've got a long edge to long edge deployment, which tends to spread the action out a little bit more, um, you could consider like dropping them as a late drop you know, so that you make sure your opponent doesn't have a lot of units over there, but you could consider dropping them kind of near your opponent's deployment zone and a better position to score than like a normal trooper unit would be. Um, you know, you probably don't want to drop them in your deployment, your opponent's deployment zone. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, somewhere that is in a little more forward than like a normal, normal trooper unit. So infiltrators, right. I also like um, breakthrough, especially as, if I'm running breakthrough, I'm probably running those long edge to long edge deployments. Uh, just because if, if you're running breakthrough, that means you probably have units like speeders or vehicles or infiltrators, and that's going to make breakthrough easier for you and more awkward slash complicated for somebody that doesn't have those units. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, breakthrough, a lot like key positions. It always, it's in my head. There's like a, a ticking timer, a countdown timer, or I don't know how to describe it, where you you have to decide if you're going to go for breakthrough or not. Key positions, you don't get to decide. You have to go for it. But breakthrough, breakthrough you could win if no one scores and just by killing your opponent's models more than he kills of yours or she kills. Um, 
but breakthroughs since it typically takes a lot of actions a lot of movement actions to get there you need to be consciously aware of how many actions is it going to take me to get across there with these units and what how many actions do i have left in the game you know if we're in round four then i've got six actions left am i within six moves and do i want to commit all six moves to get there um so in general to keep your options open move shooting is so long as you like stay positive in the attrition game move shooting towards your opponent's deployment zone is mm -hmm. ideal well and i'm glad you talked about the attrition game because breakthrough is a straight counting objective uh and you need to you know you need to compare your activations to your opponents and if your opponent has more activations than you or you know you're red and they're blue and they have the same then that's a situation where uh you know the status quo is going to be more acceptable to the person with more activation simply because if nothing dies and both players successfully move all their units to the end zone whoever has more activations on the table is going to win um and you see this a lot with breakthrough where especially on deployments like disarray or battle lines you get like like a toilet bowl situation where the movies the the arm the armies kind of move uh like two ships passing in the night you know where like they both kind of move towards their opponent their opponent's zone but like around each other maybe you take some pot yeah. shots in there somewhere um and whenever i see that i'm like one of these players has clearly uh failed to understand their role in this situation <laughs> Yes. Um, because, like, if there's never a situation where if both players score all their units, you tie. That's not a thing that happens. Um, clearly, if you can pick off a unit somewhere in that toilet bowl situation, that changes the calculus. But, like, for, for the 101, in the only scenario that people might think is a tie, like if you're 10x to 10x and you all score, you both score all 10, blue player wins. If nothing so dies. Not a, yeah. And nothing yeah. dies. So, yeah, no tie. Yeah, and I've seen that happen where players toilet bowl and then, you know, blue players like, all right, we're at, you know, 10 10 and the kill points are 0 0. And that's a W for me. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so, yeah, if, if you're, if you're in a situation where you're toilet bowling and neither of you is interacting with the other player's units, somebody is doing something wrong. Yeah, take a look at the situation. Take a look yeah. at activation counts again. Yep. Take a look at are you red or are you blue? Right. Uh, um. Okay. Anything else to say about breakthrough? Break on through. You got it. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is you kind of have to assess, like, either you have a list with mobile units in it or you don't. Um, and if you don't, you kind of need to get moving. You, you need to make a decision, like you said, John. You need to either get moving mm -hmm. um, or... Uh, just kind of decide that you're going to try and prevent your opponent from scoring any units. <clears throat> the latter is kind of risky and very deployment dependent because, you know, if your opponent if your opponent scores one unit, then you lose one to zero. Yes. Um, so I find that this works better on deployments like long march or rollout, where you have a shorter, you know, narrower zone to defend. Major offensive. Yeah. Um, it's very concentrated corner right. to corner. If it's like a big spread out zone, 
uh, when there's less flanks, less right. opportunity to flank. Right. If it's a big spread out zone with flanks, you're not like you're not going to be able to do that on battle lines. Um, so. All right. Um, KP, key positions. KP. I've been playing a lot of KP lately. Yeah. I feel like my last five games have been KP. <laughs> well, it's really funny. And we, I, I guess we can get into this with KP, but like sometimes you look at stats about which objectives gets played the most in a given tournament. KP is always one that gets played super often. Yeah. Interesting. I'd like and to I think, point out real yeah, quick. Ahead. If you bought one of the original boxes, you have the wrong KP. So if yeah. you have was it Civil... fixed by Clone Wars time? For Clone oh, yeah. Wars, yes, it, but okay. not not in the Civil War okay. boxes that are in the wild. So if you bought a Civil War box and you have key positions, uh that's been errated. So please look that up. Um it spreads out the key positions and a little it, bit more. It plays very differently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean they luckily they errated that one quickly. Yeah. Um <laughs> I think there were only two tournaments the Gen Con and Nova Open in 2018 that were played with the original KP. Yeah. I think LVO and had it. Really? Didn't LVO 2019 have it? I don't think so. I think no. LVO 20... I judged for LVO 2019. Right. And I remember it was it ratted. that it was okay. errated before then because it's I remember thinking the... when I was setting up terrain about which ones were going to be the center KP. Yeah, and somebody... Gotcha. Maybe Freeman? Somebody handed out pr the printed yeah. errated That's cards. right. That's so, right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, okay. so it was within like probably three months of the game releasing, or mm -hmm. at least the tournaments yeah. getting started. That, Whoops! Uh, <laughs> they ran that card. Yeah, for the what was happening? Yeah, go, go for ahead, it. John. Okay. Um, well, what was happening is blue player got to place the first and third key position, so they would place them both on their side. They would have two home objectives to red players one. And red player was forced to be aggressive or just lose. Yeah, it was uh, real bad for red. So, yeah, and now it's the center. Right. Yeah, now mm -hmm. it is now the you know each player places one, and then the third objective is whatever the terrain piece is that's closest to the center. So yes, Tios, keep this in mind when you're building tables. Uh, I know <laughs> I've seen tournaments where there's like a giant terrain piece in the center of the table or something like that. Um, please don't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's there, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot. Um, it doesn't have to be like a perfectly centered terrain piece. Right. It's okay if it's skewed to one corner or another, um, because that's part of the right. of the battle that's of part the, of the table side table side decision. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if it's also like if it's three inches, four inches towards one deployment, and there's nothing else contending with it, then that is a pretty hard skew, and I would avoid that. Um, yeah, it can be yeah, a little off center. Yeah, don't make it too huge so it's uninteractive. Yeah, yeah. Building tables is tough. It is. It is the most exhausting part of going to tournaments. I always get roped into it. Yeah. If anyway, I remember correctly, there wasn't a range one either between them, right? Before, I don't think so. There yeah. wasn't. No. Yeah. There, there's an obnoxious photo from Gen Con 2018 where somebody use two barricades that were right next to each other um and <laughs> they're they were technically two separate terrain pieces yeah man uh yeah it was it was not good 
anyway, they fixed it quickly. So what we mm -hmm. this is what we have now. And I, I think it is um one of the, if not the most like quote unquote neutral objective in that every unit can score on KP. Yeah. Um, the, the 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 place you need to reach is you know the most important the place you need to reach is in the middle of the table uh so there's there's not really anything that's like specifically bad at kp um there are a couple of units that are slightly better at it specifically force users and vehicles um big bases that take up space yep vehicles can block um which you need to be mindful of if your KP is something flat like a crater. Uh, I don't like KPs like that because, you know, you like really big bases like the heavies. <clears throat> AAT. It's technically legal for them to fully overlap a KP. Um, there's there's a forum ruling on this somewhere, but basically the uh, the key position token, which is an objective token, is is just a marker for a terrain piece in KP. So um, you know, you can overlap the KP token. Yeah, it's the only objective vehicles. token that can be overlapped. Right. Because it's not actually an objective in right. KP. It's just it's just a marker, basically. Um, so yeah, keep that in mind if you're dealing with a center KP that's like yeah. small and flat. <laughs> um, but force users are good at it because force users are good at controlling an area. And this is, of course, pushing people off around Pushing six. people off. Um, you're right there, Jay? Yeah. All right. know, it's, it's late. We're... Uh, <laughs> um, we're talking about objectives 101 ah. as oh, yeah. i play as i play loot games often i'll like on key positions very often i'll save one of luke's one pips um serve your master well or son of skywalker for round Ooh. six yep and he can he can swing it by like three by either son of skywalker killing something getting into base himself and pushing someone off um, or serve your master well, telling someone to walk away and pushing someone off and getting there himself. Yeah, there's a couple yeah. force and killing pull some silly combos like that. Dooku, um, I like the either his one pip or his three pip let you do this with multiple units, but you know, you can force push one. Um, sometimes you can just straight up kill one with a lightsaber mm -hmm. swing. Uh, if you play his one pip, you also get a ranged attack, which you can use to scatter the non-unit leader minis off the KP, and then you choke the unit leader. Um, so that's three for Dooku. My favorite one is a Now You Will Die. Yeah. If I'm playing Palpatine, and Now You Will Die, it's so... like a turn five or six yeah. play, but you just you just like freeze four to five units in place because it hands out immobilized tokens. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like all right uh yoda too right like he has the he can double force push yep. <laughs> you know like so yeah he could mm -hmm. potentially kill something and then force push two other units off of the case he has to spend yeah. an action to recover to do oh it, that's but... that's right that's right because he doesn't yeah. just auto get it back but he can do it twice on his one pip yeah right. that's right very relevant yeah so force users are super good at this um i do the same thing with vader i usually save one of his one pips for that vader's mine and implacable are both graded Nothing final yeah. round for KP. So, um, but yeah, nothing is like everything is potentially a scoring unit in KP, even weak units like sniper strike teams. Like, somebody's got to score your home objective. Yeah. Uh, so, the weaker units that aren't going to survive the scrum. Right. Generally, yeah. 
one or two of them stay in the back. And this is like I kind of mentioned it uh, when we were talking about breakthrough. This is another one where come turn four and five, you need to be very extremely aware of how many units you can get to the middle and how many moves they have to do to get there and how many your opponent can get to the middle. Um, because often it's like around six, everyone's moving. Yeah, and well, and there's there's benefit on KP to kind of push up the turn before the last turn, um, because yeah. on the last turn, it is beneficial generally to be able to single move to score instead of having to double move. Mm -hmm. Because if you can do that, a you're less vulnerable to losing actions for some reason, like suppression. Um, but b uh, you can move and then shoot. Yes. Yeah. And if you if you're in a situation where like one player is roughly range two from the objective and the other player is range one, all their units can move and then shoot your units as you're double moving them to the side. And you have so, to double move or lose. Right. So, yeah. it, you, you know, clearly you have to look at the terrain and make sure you're not like unreasonably exposing your units on turn four or five or whatever. But um, generally, if you can set up a situation where you're, you know, within range one of the KP before turn six. Uh, it's better to be in that situation than just double moving. Droids and compel, I think, are the two most powerful things for that turn six KP. Yep. Droids, because they still get their double action regardless of suppression, they need to be panicked to lose to lose actions. Right. Um, so they could always double move to the middle and compel. Again, for the same reason. Same reason units will be able to double move to the middle regardless of you suppressing them. Yep. So they're immune to that suppression game. Yeah. All right. Anything else to say about KP? No. Tagging your opponent's home objectives is sometimes also very clutch. Um, or leaving the option open to tag your opponent's home objective. Something you can do with like creature troopers or speeder units in particular. Yeah. Especially if your opponent just faster. leaves like a strike team or something back there. Um, not only can something like a speeder or a creature trooper often just straight up kill that unit, but they can also sometimes score the KP. <laughs> yeah. In the process. Yeah. Um, so please do not <laughs> forget. To score your home objective <laughs> that happens you it know does. in does. the panic of that end right like how many yeah. you get like hyper focused yeah we've all middle. done it oh, i'm yeah. gonna pull this guy off i'm gonna run double move him up to the middle and uh, then you go oh yeah <laughs> you're yep. supposed to score mine <laughs> yeah whoops i think i did that at gen con i was waiting too long to score mine and then i moved a strike team um I had to clamber down with the strike team, a two model unit, and they on their clamber both rolled blocks and they died on their way mm. to my home objective from clambering. And it was great. So great. Much fun. <laughs> oh, the clamber check. Um, all right. Well, let's hit the last one in the core set, and that is intercept the transmissions. Yeah. This one's this one is a good one. Uh, I've played this one so many, I think I played it twice, twice at Nova, and then I mean I I seem to play it every, seems to always come up. But basically, you know, this one scores 
round two, round four, and then the end of the game. And that one always trips people up because the end of the game doesn't mean round six. It means when the game is over. So, you know, that's always tricky. Um, You know, one of my hints, and I think these guys would agree, is that a lot of times it's beneficial for you not to try to score round two uh, to hold, let your opponent try to go after it and then punish them for trying to take it for round two. That's that's usually a really good move or inversely, like, you know, John and I played that game at Nova and he was able to score it behind line of sight blocking, you know, and so that that's a pain in the butt as well. Um, but yeah, just keep thinking about that. You know, John's very smart to when he was picking his board edge, he was he was doing a lot of measuring and he he saw that if we picked a middle objective that he was going to be able to score it from behind this huge line of sight blocking. That has won me several games, honestly. Uh, measuring finding where your center point is and measuring range measuring range one from it is only relevant for intercept but if it happens then that table edge is very important Uh, well i would argue it's it's relevant for other ones too because you know if there's a blocker within range one of the center that could be relevant for things like recover um yeah, if you can jump yeah. over it and grab the box, uh, you know, KP, same situation where it's, you know, you can kind of hide more safely while you wait. Um, so, yeah, that's always a good thing to do is figure out where the center is before you pick a table side. Um, yeah, I, I like that you brought up Jay kind of just uh, conceding is not the right word, but maybe not like taking unreasonable risks on that turn two scoring yes. um, because you know, the last scoring round is worth two points per objective. And I would argue that that, um, that philosophy can also apply to turn four because if, you know, if both players score their home objectives and uh, one player scores the middle on turns four and two and the other player scores the middle on turn six, then you are tied. That is going to be six, six, um, which it means- is an extreme. I- it's very risky because you have to absolutely capitalize or be able to capitalize attrition wise. I think it's, Uh, I think it's less risky than you think in certain situations. I've been pretty comfortable doing that a lot on intercept. Um, Because if your opponent is, it depends, it's very table dependent. I would say this applies more if the center of the tables is like open. Um. But if your opponent is like throwing units at the center on a relatively open table early in the game, um, like you shouldn't you shouldn't fret about trying to contest that center on two and probably also on four. Like if if you're particularly if if you have a list with a lot of firepower and you can just kind of you know punish those units for getting those early scoring, um, then that means two things. One, you're probably going to end up up on kill points because you're killing activations and your opponent is moving instead of attacking you. Um, and two, you're probably going to have more activations. You know, clearly you need to position yourself to do this on turn six, but you're probably going to have more activations that can score the center on turn six because you're killing activations and your opponent isn't. So um, that's a long way of saying, like, don't be afraid to go for the tie and then just win on kill points if, you're, if you find yourself in that situation. You have to, it's only worth one point on the first two rounds so you have to really like assess um how necessary it's going to be for you to score that i've i've seen the the center like not get scored at all 
on turns two and four sometimes in some games. That's wild. Where both players just kind of punt it. Um, like I said, that tends to happen more on open tables where you're just kind of like mm. sacrificing a unit to score the middle, which is usually not a good idea. Um, there are some weird situations where, depending on deployments, you might not have home objectives. That alliance is one of them. Um, disarray. Potentially danger close, depending on how the, the terrain works out. Uh, <clears throat> where, like, your opponent might have a better path to an objective that you would consider your home objective than you do. Um, and if that's the case, then everything we just said is kind of out the window. <laughs> Because there's three objectives that you're all you're mutually vying for instead of one, basically. So, um, or if you have like fast units like creature troopers that can rush your opponent's home objective and score it, you know that's a different story too. So, if you can like three zero your opponent on one of those turns two or four, that's like that's huge. Or even if you can two yeah. zero them, you know. Like if you can freeze an objective where it's just contested and then score the other two and, and go 2-0, that's there's a big difference between 2-0 and 2-1 on turns two and four. Yeah. Yep. Anything else on Anderson? I'm trying to think of how how to bring it up because there's I've played several games where it's been extremely annoying when my opponent does this peekaboo action, they, you know, they score on turn two and then turn three, they move everything back again. And then they just like out of LOS. So I can't shoot it. Mm -hmm. So his units get punished a little bit, but they retreat. Yep. And then turn four, they come back and again, just peekaboo right back away. So they could score both times without straight losing any units. Um, Wookiees are good at it like things that don't die immediately are good at it but it is yeah I don't know no, I don't know that I would fun. recommend it for most armies but yeah if you have the right unit for it you know yeah yeah I think the other thing to kind of keep in the back of your mind too and this was probably something I may have I you know sometimes I don't think about until it's too late is that like if you're severely out activating your opponent like sometimes the answer is just piling all in on the middle and just saying all right well you can't kill everything <laughs> you know <laughs> and and I know it seems crazy but sometimes that's just the answer because you know they could have you could have like two or three activation maybe four activations on your opponent and you know they're only going to be able to shoot so many things uh or attack so many things so you know sometimes especially on key positions and and intercept like just running towards the middle with everything that you have you know not everything you know keep your back position but yeah i don't know just a thought sometimes that's the answer yeah and actually that brings up a good thought generally uh on all objectives which is um, don't be afraid to use melee as a tool. It's a very like, powerful tool. Just even on units that like don't actually attack things with melee. Sometimes just tying up an opposing unit 
you know, double moving with like a B1 unit or something yeah. um, to tie up an opposing unit that needs to do something important on a critical turn um, can win a game for you. Uh, so it's a great way, um, for example, like on key positions, if you don't have, uh, if you can't double move to get to the objective, you might be able to double move to tie up an opposing unit. So you can, that, that unit still prevents another unit from scoring, um, effectively scoring themselves. Um, or just um, if you have a weaker unit that only has like two or three models, single wound models, jumping into melee with something probably will prevent it from dying, at least that turn. Um, yeah. If you're like in the middle intercept or on the middle KP. Yep. Don't underestimate black dice either. <laughs> with, melee. Yeah. yeah, when some yeah. of these yeah. rebels yeah. or stormtroopers can punch with black dice, you know, even yeah. if you're in melee with like a force user, I'll, I'll, like some people are like, oh, he's going to withdraw them like aim punch. You know, yeah. like, just like. <laughs> yeah, with precise. Yeah, right. And surges. Yeah. yeah. I had a, a new, uh, my last invader game, I was playing Blizzard Force and my opponent had R2. And he tied up a heavy response storm unit near my deployment zone with R2, you know, with the intent basically to like just try and hide there until he could score a secret mission near the end. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, aim punch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they punched R2, you know, down to one wound basically. And then on the last turn, when he had tried to score, he only had one wound left. <laughs> like, this, all right, this is a perfectly acceptable use of stormtroopers. Yeah. 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 yeah rare occasions you can even pull a unit off of the objective by getting into melee with it um it, yes it's possible you have to be like super that, that feels like more of a 102 thing to me um, yeah because you have yeah. to be super knowledgeable about the melee rules and how the timing works with like placing units down and stuff you have but... to cohere your other units such that they can't place their unit leader back in to base contact with the objective right. and your unit leader needs to be inside right but it is definitely one me a non-zero amount of games it's a thing you can do yeah yeah depending on the KP and where your opponent's units end up and the shape of the objective and everything. So Luke is gross at it because he just moves. He's like, oh, you're re-cohered now. I'm going to walk away and do it to someone else. Yeah. With disengage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I got. All right. Yeah. Well, that was the core set objectives. You guys got any final thoughts on this? They're pretty solid. They yeah. might be four of well breakthroughs not as fun, but I like they're three of my top four. Yeah. Oldies but goodies. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um I like breakthrough. Breakthrough's fun. As long as you have spears. <laughs> yeah. I'm a rebel player, like I mean. Yeah, that's fair. You have speeders. Yeah, <laughs> expensive speeders with six dice to attack with. Yeah. Hey, don't diss the T forty seven. The T forty seven straight dissing them. Current absence has nothing to do with its attack. Yeah, uh, dude, it's it, it's so good. It's it really, so good. I mean, it, I think it has more to do with just the abundance of critical, and then uh, 
I do think it got pushed out a little bit by the spider ions. Yeah. It might be possible to try and yeah. revisit it again. It definitely had like a heyday kind of between that, um, you know, the, the buff where it got surge credit okay. on its gun. Up until spiders. Up until spiders released. Yeah. yeah. It was super Yeah. Cool. I could start list building with them again. Something to think about. I don't think it would be great into like dodge spam. Um, clearly, you can run it with snipers and stuff anyway. But well, and, and like yeah, you could flank. Yeah. Against the dodge spam. But... Yeah, denying pikes and or rebel trooper captains. They still get cover. one dodge. They get one defensive trick, but not both. Right. So. Yeah. Dodgers, but no cover. Right. Still help. Yeah. Yeah. Get that hot shot pilot out. Yeah. I think that thing's great. I don't, I don't see people running it when they run speeders. But for me personally, um, at least on, I mean, TTS is a different matter, but on uh, real tables, which tend to have less area terrain, I think it's generally pretty trivial to catch things out of cover with T47s, both between their height and their speed. Um, yeah. That's just me. Yeah. You know, it feels like I'd rather spend those points somewhere else, but. Maybe. I know we've had this discussion before. Yeah, we have. I could see the case for it. It's especially good in the area terrain. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, um, next week. Next week. Yeah. I was trying to think if we had a guest next week. We do not have a different guest next week. That's nope. two weeks from now. Yep. Um, we will talk about the other four. So that would be the priority supplies, which is sabotage, the moisture evaporators, mm -hmm. and then the three vital assets objectives, which I know people love. Uh, so that would be bombing around hostage and payload. Um, I say that slightly tongue in cheek. I actually legitimately like the vital assets objectives. Um, They're very skewish. Well, two of the three. Yes, they are. I'm not sure that's necessarily. It's not bad. A bad thing. No, it's not. I think. I think it's not. We we'll talk about this next. Yeah. Time, but yeah. <laughs> there are some slight tweaks that you could make that would make them slightly less skewish, and they would still be super interesting and fun. But. <laughs> Keep going. We'll talk about this next week. All, All right. right. Well, hold on. Let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you what I think about this. I can't I can't resist, Jay. Yeah. I can't resist telling people what I think. It's all right. That's why that's why we have podcasts. I know. Um <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh well, we are the notorious scoundrels of Kyle. I'm Jay. I'm John Bushfax Bushman. Stay fresh, cheese bags.